This is a CBC Podcast. Hey, I'm Claire Bonnyman. And I'm Liam Harrop. And welcome to The Loop. Today on the show, we're talking about sports. And of course, joining me is colleague, reporter, and producer here at CBC Edmonton, Liam Harrop. Welcome, Hello. Liam. Hello. Thank you for having me. It was weird to hear nobody say Mindarwal at the opening, but... <laughs> I was very excited when you were like, you get to be in the intro. I was like, you say, really? You say your name. You're here for a number of reasons, one of which is because you've pitched a lot of sports stories recently. I guess so, yeah. Um, of course, for the afternoon show for Radioactive. Are you like a sporty person yourself? Is that where this comes from? I I guess I am. I'm not a traditional sporty person. Okay. Like I do um I do a lot of camping and hiking and ultra marathons. <laughs> Sorry, what was that last one? Come again? <laughs> it's just a weird thing you're like I'm not that sporty and then you put in like ultra marathon. Yeah, I but, do lo- you you said last week you're like I'm not that athletic and then it's like oh no, you ran 30 kilometers mm-hmm. in the dark up a mountain. Yeah, yes. So uh, there's that and then yeah, I, I do have like a, a 100 kilometer race coming up apparently next month. Apparently. Apparently. I'm nervous. Uh <laughs> But I guess when I when people say sport, if you're into sports, I my mind always goes to like hockey, football, yeah, baseball, yeah. which I know nothing about and I never did um, at first because I've lived abroad a couple of times right. and people are like, oh, you're Canadian. Like, let's talk about hockey. <laughs> and at first I would always <laughs> pretend that I knew things about hockey and I'd be like, oh, yeah, Wayne Gretzky. And... <laughs> That's a good name to know if you're going to talk about hockey. Yeah. And so I would go along with it. And I think part of it, too, is I didn't want to be the stereotypical gay person that didn't know anything about sports. Right. And then when you get older, you're like, I don't care. (laughs) It's okay if you're not into hockey, if you're not into baseball, and you don't know anything. You don't have to pretend. Well, and the definition of sports can be a lot bigger than what people think. Mm -hmm. Like, there's those big, huge, organized ones in leagues. But I'll never forget when I, I did, like, a sports journalism class in school, and my professor was like... Anything. He's like, I did a story on darts. And I was like, right. Mm-hmm. Darts is technically... One of my favorite movies is the main character plays darts. Uh, so you have brought all of these things. Like, why? what do you like about sports reporting? I like stories that have people with a good character. And it's like a good story has a person in it. Yeah. And I find a lot of sports stories have good people in it and their personal stories. And that what makes a good story. Mm-hmm. And maybe... The non-traditional sports, in my mind, um, they have really cool people behind them, and you get to hear like why they do this and why they like it. And I think that's why I'm really drawn to it. And I like small town stories, <laughs> and a lot of small towns have really cool people that do slightly different kind of sports. Yeah, some very unique activities. Let's get. I want to know some of these characters. So let's start with the. I think probably the youngest athlete you've spoken to recently. Mm. Tell me about Tristan Arsenault. So he's about 60 pounds uh, <laughs> and nine years old. He lives in Drayton Valley. And he started Greco-Roman wrestling when he was three years old. And so just to kind of give you a, how much he can lift, um, he's nine, as I mentioned. He can deadlift 150 pounds. And he weighs 60. And he weighs 60. So that's more than twice his weight. That's, um, that's And that's a lot. about my weight. So that's, he can he lift, can lift a Liam. <laughs> uh, and about a year ago, he got into arm wrestling. 
So he won a gold medal provincially this year, and just this month, uh, a week or two ago, he got silver at a national competition in Nova Scotia. Uh, he came to the, our studio at Radioactive, and so he kind of showed us how to do a high hook and a top roll and the Canadian European hook. The European hook is his favorite move when it comes to arm wrestling, okay. which I learned. Um, and I talked to his coach, and they said actually the sport is quite growing here in Alberta, and particularly amongst young people. Huh. Well, yeah. When he came to studio, did you get to arm wrestle him? I didn't, okay. but our host, Jessica Ng did, did uh, he you would have most certainly won against won? me yeah i don't i'm endurance strong i'm not physical strong right the running not the, the running not i the don't lift well arm wrestling how did you find tristan well i read a lot of small town newspapers uh i'm quite partial to them because i've worked in several myself i come from a small town and so i was reading the drayton valley and district free press and they had a little story about him and his family and how they were fundraising to try and Ship him to the Nationals in Nova Scotia. Nice. I can't get over what you said where he started when he was three. Mm-hmm. Like, how how does a three-year-old get into rest, like arm wrestling? It just seemed to be he was watching some videos. Like, it didn't sound like his dad was into wrestling or anything like okay. that. It just seemed to be he saw it and he wanted to give it a go. Huh. And he's just been really dedicated on strong thing so wrestling he does go to the gym so he's apparently the only kid at the gym that's lifting weights amongst like adults shocker yeah what does it take for a nine-year-old to lift 150 pounds what's his training regime well he he has a coach so he they drive two hours every week to to see their coach that doesn't live in the same community it's one of the i might be the only coach that does arm wrestling in our province Huh. Um, so they go see him and he has his workout routine. He actually goes on um, tour with his coach and teaches other people how to arm wrestle. And like he'll arm wrestle 13 and 14 year olds like in Red Deer and he'll win. <laughs> mm-hmm. You mentioned that he actually did arm wrestle with our host, Jessica Ng. Mm-hmm. Uh, here's a little tape from that interview. Uh, I don't really watch it on YouTube, but I have a personal trainer, uh, Frazier. And, uh, you have a he's personal a, trainer? Uh, yeah. His name is Frazier, and he's a world champion level. So what does world champion level training look like? Uh, very technical. Uh, he tells me a lot of technical workouts and a lot of technical moves. So there's a couple moves there. The four main moves is a press, okay. high hook, low hook, and a top roll. What's a press? How would you describe a press? A press is when you like use your body to press down. You use your whole body in the arm wrestling? Yes. Oh my gosh. So when Tristan went up against Jessica, who won? <laughs> Tristan did in about two <laughs> seconds. <laughs> Yeah, it was like so fast. So you're like, oh dear. <laughs> what did you learn about competitive arm wrestling? Because it's, how, I mean, you weren't a professional yourself before oh, this. No. So what did you learn from this experience? Well, I mean, I like everyone knows arm wrestling exists, but I didn't really know it was in such a professional format here mm-hmm. in the province, and I didn't know that so many people did it. And I certainly didn't know there was really competitions and a national competition and how much strategy goes into it like i learned it's not just strength there's quite a lot that goes into it and even um how they position their legs which you know you would think arm wrestling it's all about the arm but yeah it really isn't it's way more than that interesting mm-hmm. moving on to a less popular if possible more niche sport mm-hmm. um it's got an overseas connection though wife carrying 
How did you find out about wife carrying and get that on the show? Well, probably like yourself, I subscribe to many news uh, sources. Mm -hmm. And I saw a little video on the BBC, and it was about a wife-carrying event in eastern Canada. I was intrigued. I never heard of such a thing. I didn't know such a thing existed. Um, And so, and if you're not aware, so in a wife-carrying competition, it's where a person carries another person on their back. It doesn't have to be your wife. uh, For a certain distance through obstacles. So I, I was curious to see if anyone from Edmonton competed in this one in eastern Canada. And in my research, I actually found out there's a similar event that was starting for the first time in Alberta this summer in Lac La Biche. And so I made sure to lock down that story. Um, and I reached out to the, organize, uh, the organizers, and I really wanted to talk to a couple that was competing, and they managed to connect me with, with two. So I met Justin Save and Lisa Shankowski. They're both teachers from Cold Lake. They are also wrestlers, and they're country music swing dancers. And they're actually, so they were here in Edmonton doing their masters for the summer, and they are so excited for this upcoming wife carrying event. I become a human backpack. <laughs> so uh, my, my legs wrap around his neck, and then I, I like reverse Heimlich him from behind. <laughs> is it back to back? No, like no, my your face is on oh. his back. <laughs> so how do you manage to, because you've got all this blood rushing to your head, you're upside down. <laughs> how do you manage to, I'm not even going to say thrive, how do you manage to survive in that position? <laughs> uh, well, this is a challenge that we are facing, you know, straight on, and uh, <laughs> hopefully we're going to make it through. The water part is the one I'm most concerned about. I am unsure how that situation is going to work with me upside down, uh, but we're going to test that out on the day. Justin, I think, had come across it on YouTube a while back, uh, and it's, it's a fairly big deal, and a fit in Finland ran randomly enough. Uh, but I saw it on social media that it was happening in Laclabish and it just happened to be that, you know, near enough for us to join. And we like doing challenges together. We teach together. We're currently working on our masters together. And we're like, hey, let's add something random into the mix and try this out. It, it so- kind of fits into our sports as well. Uh, we, we teach uh, at a mixed martial arts gym. We teach wrestling. And so uh, I have Lisa's my throwing dummy, and I just demonstrate the moves and teach it that way. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> and uh, we also do country swing dancing where I flip her upside down and like throw her around my back. And so this just fits right into it. Would you say it's a combination of those two activities, the wrestling and the swing dancing? Yeah, and then the best part about it is is we get to run while doing the things we love. I like that the best part is that we're doing all these athletic activities mm-hmm. and now we get to run as well. That is my nightmare. <laughs> but like what a fascinating combination of that swing dancing and the wrestling and mm-hmm. all these other activities. They're very dynamic people. There's a lot going on. They're kind of perfect for this, mm-hmm. potentially. Since you pitched the story, I will say, so I, I was doing some digging uh, into wife caring. It has different names. Oh. So obviously Eastern European started in Finland, but in Finnish, Estonian, and Swedish, there are different terms. Hmm. My favorite being in Swedish, um, I'm going to pronounce it wrong, but I think it's like caring or caring conk. Oh. Caring conk? Caring kink? Okay. Uh, but it, so it started in Finland and it's based on these stories about a robber who would steal from villages in the late 1800s. And when they stole from villages, they would carry the women on their backs as they ran away because I presume they're stealing women as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, another story is just that, again, way back in the day, young men would steal women from other villages for wives. And this was the technique they used. 
Uh, and it, it it sounds like a joke to me, but it, competitors take this so so, so seriously. seriously. We were watching videos at my desk about the world championships and the international finals. Mm-hmm. They have coordinated bibs. Mm-hmm. They are just giving her like the quickest get it done in like sixty seconds. Mm, and they're so serious and they're, so serious. You'd think you're watching the Olympics. Yeah. It's a lot. It's a lot of investment, I think, into a very unique competition. Needless to say, I don't know if we're going to see coordinated bibs in Lacklebish, but I hope we do. What can we expect from the Alberta version, do you think? So, with this version, the wife carrying event is this weekend in Lacklebish. It's part of the Lakeland County Fair. So, there'll be other events like there's a barbecue, there's some rodeo. Um, as I mentioned, this is apparently the first of its kind here in Alberta. And so the course on Lac La Biche is 254 meters. I don't know why it's 254. I think it's like the standard. Oh, that is the standard. Okay. And it's the transition because it's like 254 meters, which seems odd, but it sounds mm. better in yards. Oh, that makes more sense. Yes. Okay. Classic no, no. metric conversion. I'm glad you looked into this. <laughs> uh, so there are dry and wet, wet obstacles. So that could be a pond, a river, hay, hay bales, tires, or hurdles, and they have to jump over them. And I did see some of their jumping skills because I made them, um, Justin and Lisa, uh, do a little bit of practice for an Instagram video. So how I had did, them jumping over benches. How did they do on the benches? They were pretty good. I mean, you are carrying a person on your back. A so, whole human. You know, there's a person on your back. <laughs> Um, and so Justin and Lisa, they're getting, you know, they're training for this. As as we heard, they're training between classes. And yeah, they're, I, you know, they're excited for this weekend. And if they win? Have we mentioned what the prize is? We have not. We have not mentioned. So if they win, they will get the wife's weight in beer and five times her weight in money. We had a lot of discussion about what the beer could be. Mm-hmm. And we did clarify it is the weight of the actual beer, but it will be delivered in cans. Oh, okay. Yes. Okay. So the like the beer is like twelve ounces to a can normally. So it's like they'll measure it out that way. Mm. I did ask Lisa, and she's hoping for around six hundred dollars if she wins. That's no small prize. Mm-hmm. Speaking of more strength, um, it's not like this is the first time for you this year getting into sports. You actually won an award for a piece about Alberta's strongest couple in twenty twenty one. Can you remind me of their story? So it was with Colton Sloan and Ashley Albert. They're a couple from Whitefish Lake First Nation, which is north of Edmonton, and they are both strong men and women competitors. So they would pull things like semi-trucks and lift hundreds of pounds of stuff in competitions. Colton can apparently lift 900 pounds. So Tristan's future? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. If Tristan continues... Uh, maybe in about 30 years. Yeah, he'll be, <laughs> he'll be pulling trucks. Right behind Colton. Yeah, okay. <laughs> um, and Colton was actually one of the first Indigenous people to get his pro card. And he was introduced to the sport, uh, Ashley, at a time when he was in a really dark shadow of depression. Mm. And the story that we did was about the two of them and how the sport gave them hope and strength, particularly as Ashley had stage four cancer, for which for which there was no more treatment. Mm-hmm. Um, and since we published the story, she, she actually passed away. Yeah, it's a beautiful, beautiful piece. I recommend mm. people check it out. Um, you've got an update, though. How is Colton doing now? So he's really gone more into the strongman world. He actually just got back from the World Cup in Lithuania, where he represented Canada and he came second. There he flipped giant tires, he pulled tractors, he carried farm yokes. Huh? Um, I don't really know what it is, but I saw I saw, <laughs> I saw the I'm not a farmer. I saw a video and it's these big metal bar things that weigh like oh. hundreds of pounds and you have to carry them on your shoulders. Oh wow. Or close to your shoulders. Um, a certain distance and then he would put them down and then he would turn around and then pick it up again and then 
shuffle forward. <sighs> Uh, it's it's incredible, um, and to help prepare for these com- competitions, because I like food, so I was like asking about food. He's <laughs> eating seven meals per day. He's sponsored by a local farmer actually oh, for wow. his beef, but his meals include six eggs. So he gets six eggs at breakfast, <gasps> and then he gets another six more before bed. So he's eating twelve eggs per day. Can I just? Is he guest on from Beauty and the Beast? Uh, he's I, he, yeah, he's pretty I close. Twelve dozen. Eggs mm, he is guest on. Yeah, that's amazing. It was actually brought up in the interview. And he was like, "I've never had anyone say that before." <laughs> um, and he also actually wears something very special to each of his competitions. So here's a clip with Colton talking with Ray. Radioactive host Jessica Ng from earlier this week. In our indigenous culture, we call it a cookum scarf. And I take that with me because, as you guys had me on the show before, you guys knew I was married and my wife was battling cancer. So, unfortunately, last year in March, she did lose that battle. So, she was my biggest fan and my biggest supporter. So, and she said, like, she's once you make it big, we're going to travel the world together, which I'm not like I've, I've made it quite a ways and I travel the world, but I travel alone. So I take her with me in, in that way. What do you think your wife would, would think about how far you've come in these competitions? <laughs> she would, she would say she expected it and she knew it was coming. Um, she believed in me a lot. She supported me the most. And I, I can honestly say I would not be as strong as I am if it wasn't for that woman. Was there a point where, because you have so many memories that are are tied to her supporting you in this pursuit, was there a point where returning to the sport, returning to these competitions was difficult? Every single time. (laughs) Every single show, you know. How did you push through that? uh, um, I pushed through it for my people, you know. Every single show is hard because she's not there. But um, I pushed through it for uh, my people because she was really big on uh, Indigenous issues and and growing our culture and, and, you know, all of that. So I really, I do that now in her place because she can't do what she used to do. She she did a lot of work in in that field. And I'm trying to continue it in my own way um, by doing these shows, even though it's hard because I look for her in the crowd and she's not there. That's beautiful. Mm-hmm. So he, he does have another big competition coming up next month. It's sort of a dream of his to go to this event. It's called Canada's Strongest Man. Ooh. And it's in Quebec. I can't and, wait to see how he does. Uh-huh, yeah, no, represent Alberta. Yeah, more yokes to be carried. Mm-hmm. And more tractors to pull and <laughs> semi-trucks. No and... shortage of trucks and tractors. No, no, it's, Canada's got a lot of those. <laughs> For the last story of Alberta's athleticism, uh, we're joined by CBC's Emily Fitzpatrick. Hello, Emily. Hello there. So you were reporting a sports story and things went awry. My, my first question is just, are you a sportsy person? Is this your usual beat? Um, no. I would say, well, you know what? Maybe a little bit sportsy. I was I was in water sports because I fell and continued to fall quite a bit. So my parents put me in the water to keep me safe. So I did synchronized swimming and water polo. Oh, and wow. Yeah, pretty impressive. Could that... hold my breath a very long time. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Tell us about this particular story that you were out shooting. <laughs> this is nothing like synchronized swimming. 
I went to speak to three young archers. They live out in Thorsby and they train uh, in Wetaskiwin as archers. They qualified as part of a large group of archers to go to South Africa for cool. a tournament. So we thought that was very cool. And uh, Thorsby has was doing a big barbecue to raise money for them because a huge group of them are going out to South Africa. So I went out there to meet them. We had a great talk. They told me about their love of archery, how they got into it, how often they practice, all sorts of fun things. And then we got down to getting some B-roll, as we call it. <laughs> and that's when things went awry. So you're a mojo journalist, meaning you use your phone a lot. Yes. So tell us what happened to your phone. (laughs) Well, I shoot exclusively on my phone. It was the night before I had an idea that it'll be fun if I put my phone on the target and have them shoot at the phone. So creative. So creative. I could could put it slow motion and be like a 3D movie. I had a vision. And when I got there... I said, okay, I have a crazy idea. Like, do you guys, are you confident enough that we can pull this off? And all of them were very excited. And they said it would be great. I let them warm up because we did make jokes that like they could hit the phone, but that seemed <laughs> an omen. Yeah. Yeah, I know. <laughs> so we we warmed up. They shot a bunch of arrows. And then I basically propped the phone on the target uh, on top of two arrows. I was to the left of the bullseye. Like okay. how far left? Like, a bit, <laughs> a bit far Standard left. unit of measurement. Is it still in the circles? Well, the, the whole target is a circle oh. is what I learned. They said it was a nine, <laughs> which I don't know if, what that means really, but I put it enough away, I thought, because they were mostly hitting bullseyes all day. Um, I said, shoot above it or beside it. And then I recorded it and I went to kind of stand off to the side and I heard the first shot go it sounded great and I saw it go into the bullseye and then I heard the second shot and I heard kind of like a thump and I knew I knew something had happened and then I I hear oh oh no so I come around the corner and I see the target and there's an arrow through my phone I said is is it through the phone so we all just walked over to the target and pulled the phone off the target and the arrow was clean through the phone popping out a little bit it was smoking oh my god because it hit the battery so you could smell it the smell was awful the arrow was hot and we all basically just stood in silence (laughs) and looked at the phone like no one said anything what was going through your mind like what i was doing you know when people are nervous and they kind of giggle i was basically just giggling like (laughs) oh my goodness oh my gosh i didn't think that would actually happen he went right through the phone oh and and the sad part was like, oh, this story is, this story is dead now. Like, yeah. I have no other way of, of talking to them, of recording it. Like that, I have no backup plan here. Oh my gosh. So yeah, it was like panic, um, giggling. What are the chances? We all just kind of just stared at each other, and then the the oldest sister, um, she ran inside to get her mom, <laughs> and said, "It's bad. It's so bad, mom." <laughs> Yeah, it was, she was giving her brother a little bit of grief too. I was like, it, it was my idea. It's not, it was no one's fault. Like he didn't do it on purpose, but it was awkward. It's funny too, because where it hit the phone mm-hmm. is amusing. Like where exactly did this arrow pierce? Right through the apple. There's no <laughs> apple symbol at all. We made that joke a little bit because I was like, I should have just put an apple on my head. Maybe it would have hit that. <laughs> yeah, it's like William Tell gone Yeah, wrong. <laughs> yeah. And it went like the apple is non-existent and it went through the case, through the apple and popped out the other side. 
we I had to hold the phone while he yanked the arrow out because it was in there so so forcefully. <laughs> yeah. It was not good. Was anything recoverable, like the, no. the tape? Or, no. So it's, I'm very upset about it, no, actually, okay. because oh. the, the, it would have been an amazing shot, especially the, since the sister nailed it. So I could have shown, oh, this was what my vision was. Did you take anything away from this archery experience, be it, you know, lessons around phone safety or about actual archery? I learned a couple things about archery. I learned how to figure out what your dominant eye is. Most people are right eye dominant. How do you tell? You hold your hands up and kind of like make a triangle. Put your two thumbs together and kind of make a triangle with your hands. And then you either hold it up like a tighter triangle. Mm, okay. Is, okay. I'm not very tighter, good small. radio describing so this. So it's like thumbs are kind of overlapping. Yes. And all your fingers overlapping. So it's a little itty bitty triangle. I work in a TV medium. I don't know how to. Um, <laughs> so doing it. you hold it up and you look across at a person in front of you okay. and you look, mm-hmm. you try to look at their nose and whichever eye you see is what your dominant eye is. So I see Liam's right eye. Well, I can only see the eye that's through your triangle. I don't, yeah. I can't do you know what? Do you know what eye that is? Uh, is How good are you with your left and rights here? <laughs> is, is it my left or right eye? <laughs> I don't know. Your yeah. hand, a trick question. Your hands are in the way. I'm, I'm winking. Oh wait, sorry. Sorry. Yeah, that makes sense. Like I don't know what's going on. I'm winking my left eye. Uh, I. It's your the non-winking eye. Okay. Okay. I can't so wink right that eye dominant. Eye. Mm-hmm. What? Okay. Right eye dominant. Okay. Wait. So look at me. So I look at your nose, right? Mm-hmm. I see this one. My left. Oh, my left eye. No, wait. That, oh, that's your left. Okay, so it's my... <gasps> She's left eye dominant. Does that make me special? I don't know. but Very helpful. Yes. <laughs> but I, I think it does. <laughs> Would I, it make me more or less likely to hit your phone? I won't name names, <laughs> but the, the shooter of the arrow was left eye dominant. Mm. And the other two were right eye, and they shot the bullseye. Okay. My theory, and kind of everyone who I have spoken to is theory because I've never been more popular as, as I have been telling this story. You know, when you, in your brain, you're like, don't, don't press the red button. Don't do it. Don't mm-hmm. do it. And then just your brain does its the own red thing. button. It was like, don't hit the phone. Don't hit the, oh, look, a phone. Yeah. So yeah. do you have a renewed interest in archery after this? Or are you, are you going to put down a bow and arrow for a while? I will not be in the way of an arrow <laughs> for a while. That feels like a good approach. Although I do think it would have been a great shot. I think it was worth <laughs> the sacrifice. Could you imagine just that, oh, the arrow flying towards the phone? You know, I think it's a very cool sport. And the, even speaking to them about how they challenge themselves, because they'll aim for certain areas. They'll try to get as many off as they can in a row. Like Just hearing how you improve yourself in the sport was very interesting to me. Well, thank you for You're sharing welcome. this harrowing experience. I have, a, I have a new phone on the way, <laughs> is what I'm told. But those were dark days when I did not have it. (laughs) The final goodbye to the family was, okay, but where's the highway? The Loop is a podcast from CBC Edmonton, and our team this week is Leslie Goldstone, Corey Haberstock, and Olivia O. Our theme music is Change Your Mind by Edmonton musician John Common, and I'm Claire Bonneman. And I'm Liam Harrop. Thank you for listening. The Loop is recorded on Treaty 6 territory, traditional lands of First Nations and Métis communities. If you want to get in touch, you can send us an email, theloop at cbc.ca. Leave us a rating or review wherever you download the show. And you can find us on the CBC Listen or wherever you get your podcast. Yeah, how... Sorry, how about, wait, this how is long so out of... Did it take you to get home? Mm, how did you get home without a phone? <laughs> I got home alone with my thoughts...
and that's impressive. One disc of uh, of Harry Potter because uh, I had an audiobook in my CD player. That's all. And which uh, Harry Potter? The Half Blood Prince. Okay. Yeah. You're still on that because I borrowed your car like a year ago, <laughs> and Harry Potter was playing. <laughs> it's been in. It's, it just lives there. So uh, yeah, that's I got. I, they they directed me to the highway, and then I just hoped for the best. Just drove towards what I thought was Edmonton. <laughs> Uh, Emily, tech in the never distance. seen from again. Yeah, it took me five hours to get home. We need phones. Turns out they're very important. They have many things on them. For more CBC podcasts, go to cbc.ca/podcasts.